morning and um, thanks Andy and thank you all for coming today on this lovely day. We're going to turn to Matthew chapter 19, <coughs> Matthew chapter 19 as we continue our studies in this gospel. I'm very aware that we're going to deal with subjects today which are sensitive and may touch some raw nerves or may cause upset and uh, we want to deal with these topics sensitively and sympathetically today. But first and foremost we want to deal with them scripturally Um, and we sang together in this lovely hymn all people that on earth do dwell we sang this for why the Lord our God is good his mercy is forever sure his truth at all times firmly stood and shall from age to age endure his truth at all times firmly stood and shall from age to age endure. It's important today in at times where uh, there is a, a, a steady shift away from the truths of the scripture um, and that we come back to what the scripture teaches on all things when I was uh, when I was a, a boy like Andrew Sage I'm being a bit nostalgic today but when I was my, my father used to have a boat uh, a small boat down at the marina in Torshavn in the Faroe Islands where I grew up and we would go out fishing from, from time to time so where do you go to fish when you've got an open sea? You don't just go anywhere and throw down the line. And you would have these spots, and they would be secrets that had been passed on from generation to generation, and you didn't tell anyone this. And so you went to those places to fish because you knew where to catch. But this was in the days before there was GPS uh, or anything like that so <clears throat> you went out and you would have two coordinates uh, that would tell you where to go and so I remember in particular there was a favourite place of ours it, it was about an hour's sail to go to this place and we would go, get roughly to the point where we were and we would look um, sort of northwest. And it was when the chimney of the hospital was aligned with the northernmost point on this little island. That was one coordinate. And then we would look uh, northeast. And it was when this point of land was aligned with this other point of land further south. And all these places had names and you knew what they were. You, You knew that when you were aligned with these two coordinates, you were at the right point. And we had this very simple echo sounder in the, in the, in the boat and uh, you would see at this particular point when you got near that there was a point in the seabed which would, would come up and 
it's on that slope of that point in the seabed that you would catch the cod and so you would throw down the line and you would start catching cod and for about 10-15 minutes and you'd realize that it was sort of drying up you weren't catching so much and you looked up and you realized that you'd been drifting because of the constant tide in the water the constant current and you were drifting the engine was off but the boat wasn't standing still you were drifting and so you had to look up again to your points to your coordinates these fixed points and you had to go and sail back to the spot it's important to have these coordinates these reference reference points in our lives and we have to constantly adjust ourselves and I'm going to propose to you that the reference points for us to use in our lives not just when it comes to salvation and when it comes to church but when it comes to my personal life when it comes to my marriage and that's what we're going to deal with today we need firm reference reference points and the scripture is that reference reference point so let's turn to Matthew chapter 19 and we'll read from verse 1 now when Jesus finished had finished his sayings he went away from Galilee and entered the region of Judea beyond the Jordan and large crowds followed him and healed them there and Pharisees came up to him and tested him by asking is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause he answered have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female and said therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become flesh shall become one flesh so they are no longer one two but one flesh what therefore god has joined together let not man separate they said to him why then did moses command one to give a certificate of divorce and send her away he said to them because of your hardness of heart Moses allowed you to divorce your wives but from the beginning it was not so and I say to you whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery the disciple said to him if such is the case of a man with his wife it is better not to marry but he said to them not everyone can receive this saying but only those to whom it is given for there are eunuchs who have been so from birth and there are eunuchs who have been made eunuchs by men and there are eunuchs who have made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven let the one who is able to receive this receive it then children were brought to him that he might lay his hands on them and pray the disciples rebuked the people but Jesus said let the little children come to me and do not hinder them 
for to such belongs the kingdom of heaven and he laid his hands on them and went away now Lord Jesus has been ministering up in the north of um, Palestine Israel and he's now heading south to the region of Judea and the course is set for Jerusalem where he would eventually be crucified and as he goes large crowds gather and he heals them he heals the people and as these crowds gather some Pharisees came, come up to him the Pharisees they saw themselves as experts of the law the law of Moses and they loved to delve into the minutiae of into the finer details of the law the law of Moses and sometimes they were looking for loopholes and sometimes they were looking for you would say mole hills to make mountains of you know small details that they would make into big principles and now they approach the Lord Jesus not so much to hear his truth truth being expounded but they came to test the Lord Jesus they tried to trip him up and as we'll see in as we continue in Matthew we'll see an escalation of opposition to the Lord Jesus and what he said and what he did and who he was and here we have them they're not coming with a friendly motive to learn the truth but they come to test him and to trip him up so they have a question about marriage and specifically <coughs> a question about divorce and they ask this question is it lawful for a man to divorce one's wife for any or every reason for any or every reason for whatever cause is it lawful to divorce and is in, in the response of the Lord Jesus he he speaks first about God's original design for marriage in verses 4 to 6 God, the institution of marriage but the Pharisees they press the point and they probe further about this specific question they had and the Lord Jesus goes on to speak about a concession in the word of God for marriage so we're going to think about these two the institution of marriage God's design and then the concession given for marriage it's an important point it's an important subject and it's important to see what the word of God has to say on this <clears throat> and as the Lord Jesus responds to them he says, have you not read? Have you not read? And he goes on to quote from Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 
2. So what is the reference point? And we talked about this in the introduction, didn't we? What is the reference point that the Lord is, is using here? What is the authority that he spoke from on this important subject? It was the word of God. And in, in specifically, it was the opening chapters of Genesis. And this is an important point. This is so important. The Lord Jesus could have referred to Jewish Jewish tradition. Or he could have referred to the culture of the day. But he went to the Bible. Specifically he went to the first opening chapters of the book of Genesis these chapters in the Bible that have been uh, attacked and have been discounted and dismissed by people the Lord Jesus went to them he saw them as true and relevant and literal, not mythical, and we see, and it's so instructive to see how the Lord Jesus turns their attention to that. And we want to affirm this morning, this afternoon, the the the, ver- the veracity, historical veracity of the opening chapters of Genesis, and we make no excuse today of standing beside the Lord Jesus as it were and believing in the scriptures and taking the scriptures as our guide and as our ultimate authority and so the Lord Jesus he turns to the scriptures and he says have you not read the other general point I want to make is this that the Lord dealing with the matter of marriage instead of just going into the question that was asked by the Pharisees and they obviously had a very low low view of marriage they were looking at loopholes and exceptions and the Lord Jesus takes their eye off that or he tries to and he does that to us today to speak about God's original design for marriage God's original design and so we see as he does that that we learn a few important lessons about marriage as God intended it from the very beginning the first thing we learn is that marriage is Um, a creatorial union it is from creation that marriage was established from creation and the Lord Jesus have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female and said therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and two shall become one flesh He's quoting from Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2, the creation story. And so we see that 
marriage is not a Christian invention it is not a Jewish invention it was there from the beginning of time and it is there by God's design and therefore marriage is universal in its reach and in its application marriage ceremonies might differ from place to place and from culture to culture the vows that are expressed might be different and so on but marriage itself was established by God and applies universally so it was, it's a creatorial union the next thing we notice is that marriage is a heterosexual union have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female and said therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife it's very important that we make this point today I'm well aware that if I was a celebrity and I'm certainly not um, I would be receiving hate mail and would be cancelled for saying what I'm saying today but it needs to be said and the Lord Jesus he turns to Genesis chapter 1 perhaps we could turn to Genesis chapter 1 briefly this morning this afternoon Genesis chapter 1 verse 27 says there so God created man in his own image I want you to know that this was not said by any of his creation any of the other creations that God had made but when it came to mankind it says this so God created man in his own image in the image of God he created him male and female he created him and God blessed them and God said to them be fruitful and multiply and and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth it's important that we realise today that we are made in the image of God you know we preach from this platform the gospel and we make much of the sinfulness of man and the fall of man in Genesis chapter 3 and man's worthlessness because of sin and that's true and we're right to do that but we must not skip over Genesis 1 either because there we see the worth of man we are created in the image of God and therefore you are precious in God's sight because you are an image bearer of God we haven't got time to elaborate on what that means or further but we were made in a special way as relational beings as creative beings 
And God made them male and female. I don't want to get too sidetracked here, but this is something that has come under severe attack. That we are made female, male or female. But it's scriptural and it is scientific. Recently in the BBC Question Time, a man called Professor Robert Winston, a medical doctor, scientist and presenter, is Lord Winston of Hammersmith in fact. He said this, I will say this categorically, that you cannot change your sex, your sex is actually there in every single cell in the body. You have chromosomal sex, you have genetic sex, you have hormonal sex, you have all sorts of psychological brain sex, they are all different. They are different because that's how we were made. He got an angry response. But that is scientific. But importantly, it's also scriptural. Sadly, we are seeing laws being changed that er erodes these truths. Last Thursday, the Scottish Nationalists tabled a new gender recognition reform bill at Holyrood. It's gone under radar because everyone is so focused on the Ukraine war and and rightly so I suppose. But on Thursday the SNP tabled a new gender recognition reform bill which if passed will make it easier and quicker for people to change their legal gender. They want it to be done quicker, without the need of any medical reports, and they want to lower the age limit from 18 to 16. And the bill seems to have the support of all the Scottish parties except for the Scottish Conservatives. This is a shocking social experiment, and it is directly opposed to God's good design so let's remember that young people remember that you are created in the image of God he made you the way you are because that's how he intended and you are precious in his sight don't let the shifting and the destabling currents of modern culture which have no base in scripture or in science draw you away from the the stability that the word of God provides living the way that God intended is liberating and fulfilling and so marriage is a heterosexual union It's a creational uh, union. It is an exclusive, monogamous union. It is exclusively between one man and one woman. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother 
and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh God desires fidelity in marriage marital faithfulness there is no room for others in this relationship it is exclusively between one man and one woman the principle of scripture is clear when it comes to this chastity before marriage fidelity in marriage chastity abstinence that means before marriage fidelity in marriage finally we see and I'm not making this up and you, you'll know that this is what the Lord is teaching here from, from, from the word of God marriage is a lifelong union what God has joined together let not man separate and this is so crucial as we look at the subject of marriage marriage is a covenant it's not just a convenient arrangement that you can pull out of if you don't feel in love anymore or whatever on the, vow, on the wedding day vows are exchanged to take as husband or as wife for better for worse for richer for poorer in sickness and in health to love and to cherish till death us do part and in taking these vows the couple enter into a covenant a lifelong covenant the lifelong covenant of marriage it is not based on romantic love which is fickle but it is a commitment of the will first and foremost and so when things become hard and difficult you remember your vows so when an old school friend appears on the scene who is more handsome or more caring or more interesting to be with The marriage covenant is honoured. Or if your husband has an accident and he becomes a quadriplegic, spends the rest of his life in a wheelchair, can no longer provide financially or perform physically, the covenant still stands. What God has joined together let not man separate these are the principles of scripture from from the very creation and the Lord wants to elevate the view of marriage that the Pharisees had to this but the, the Pharisees <coughs> seems like they weren't that interested because they continued to test the Lord and they brought up a concession in the law of Moses and we read of it in Deuteronomy chapter 24 verses 1 to 4 and there a provision for a certificate of divorce 
to be given was there to be given to a wife if in the eyes of her husband he had found indecency in her it's not overly clear exactly what that means the indecency but there was a provision for a certificate of divorce if she married again after that certificate had been issued and then she got another divorce certificate from her second husband she could not go back to her first husband that was the command there wasn't a command to issue a certificate of divorce that was a concession it was permitted it was not commanded what was commanded in Deuteronomy chapter 24 was that if she got a second one a second divorce bill she could not go back to her first husband that was the command but we notice that the Pharisees are twisting this they say in verse 8 uh, in verse 7 why did Moses command one to give a certificate of divorce well Moses didn't command it he allowed it and that's what Jesus said in verse 8 he said to them because of your hardness of heart Moses allowed you to divorce your wife J.B. Felix puts it in his translation like this it was because you knew so little of the meaning of love that Moses allowed you to divorce your wives but that was not the original principle in fact if we come to the last book of the Bible in the Old Testament the book of Malachi chapter 2 and verse 16 there we read these words God hates divorce that's a strong uh, uh, statement but he allowed for it in the law and then we ask the question and I'm sure that is the question that many of you have today what then about verse 9 of Matthew 19 what about today what applies to us now and the Lord Jesus says in verse 9 of chapter 19 and I say to you whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality or fornication as the authorised puts it and marries another commits adultery now we haven't got time to go into all the various ways of, of looking at this and this is perhaps not the place not, we haven't got the time but let me say there are four, four views that you can take to this there's one view which says that you can divorce your wife or you can your, divorce your husband for whatever reason and you can remarry the other view you can take is this that there is never you are never permitted to divorce and remarry and that particular line that view takes this except for sexual immorality fornication to refer very narrowly to a specific sin to when two are betrothed and 
a man and a woman are betrothed and one of them is uh, unfaithful that the marriage should not go ahead but once married you are never allowed to divorce is that view now I don't take that view what I believe and what I think is the meaning of verse 9 is the, the what I think is the natural interpretation which is that when one party is guilty of sexual morality the husband or the wife then a divorce is permitted it's not commanded it's not what God intended it is permitted the sexual immorality in this instance can be adultery but it's not limited to adultery it could be other sexual immorality and and in these instances the innocent party is free to divorce and to remarry but I want to emphasize that it is an option not the command and I want you just to go back to chapter 18 we don't need to turn to just now but we have we dealt with chapter 18 and you remember that if someone sins against you what should we do we should seek forgiveness and restoration forgiveness and reconciliation and this surely applies to marriage as well when one party sins even if it is sexual immorality there should be grace and forgiveness offered but what if the guilty spouse continues to sleep with others and has no desire to change for example the innocent party is not bound I believe that this is what the Lord was meaning in Matthew 19 and verse 9 if you have if you would like to speak to me about this feel free to talk to and I'm very happy to speak after this meeting about it we're going to have to leave it there and finish and as we finish we come to the very last few verses in the passage and we speak about the children being brought to the Lord Jesus and having spoken with great wisdom and clarity about marriage we see here the Lord's heart for the children the the disciples they frowned as the children were brought to the Lord Jesus and they rebuked the people but the Lord said let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for to such belongs the kingdom of heaven and he laid his hands on them and went away here the Lord Jesus welcomed the children he says for to, for to such belong the kingdom of heaven the emphasis here is on 
the child's humility and its simple faith. And it is to those who have humility and have simple faith in the Lord Jesus that the kingdom of God belongs. And as we finish, I just want to ask you, have you got the simple faith, the faith of a child, just to cling on? Have you put your faith in the Lord Jesus who died for you? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we can um, trust in your word and that it can be our guide and our authority in life. And Father, we do pray that you will give us the humility to, and sympathy for others and to use your word, word wisely but Father to bow under the authority of it in every aspect of our lives help us Father to put our trust in you and Father we pray that if there is anyone here who has never put their faith and trust in you that they might do so today in childlike faith Father we come before you and we thank you for this time in Jesus' name, Amen.